Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Russ Shaw. You have downloaded ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 129. I am your host, Russ Shaw, and this is Truth Be Told, continuing with the Ninth Commandment. So I've harvested some truth from the psychological community to share with you today. This episode is titled Psychopathology, Medication, and Sexual Addiction. Can you hear me? Tell me your name. Richard. We're going to take care of you, Richard. I've got to run away, I've got to get away from the pain you drive in the heart of me. Yes, that's my truth be told intro. Changing it up a little bit there, but uh, I'm going to get right into it today for uh, cram this whole lot of information into this show today. Try and do it in a timely manner. Um, I'm going to address a question that's been heavy on my heart for a long time. It's a question I've been asked um, more than once over the the years that I've been doing this podcast, and it is about... um, medication. Um, 
the psychological community and the psychology of sexual addiction being a symptom of maybe manic depressive um, or bipolar disorder and again I've not felt in the past that I've had the you know qualifications to answer this question but now from some information that I've gleaned from the internet and uh, some sources good sources on the subject I feel confident to answer it today um, WebMD is a place where people go out and they find information and you know you you've kind of diagnose your own problem of course they will never say that and I of course am never gonna say that this is not you know this is a podcast I'm not an expert I'm not a doctor I'm not your counselor right um, I've studied a lot on this subject for the last five years I got an email recently from a guy who says I don't know man I wouldn't uh, sell yourself short as far as being an expert um, I'm not all right I'm not I've been to college you know these kinds of things yes I've studied a lot but you still need um, a doctor to diagnose these issues alright but you know I'm going to say that you need a a good qualified doctor right not just any doctor Um, and I'll address some of that here in the show today Um, but the question I've been asked over and over again uh, is medication is there medication that I can take that will um, help decrease this, help treat my sexual compulsive problem. It's not just a yes or no question. Um, There's a couple of different layers, there's a couple of different levels going on here. First of all, um, (laughs) you say, Russ, you got some, glean some information from the internet. You can't believe everything you, you read or hear on the internet. This is true, this is absolutely true. What is the source? Um, Wikipedia? No. <laughs> there's, a, there's a current thing going on in the news right now where the vice presidential hopeful from the last election, Sarah Palin, said some stuff um, about American history and, you know, kind of put her foot in her mouth a little bit and kind of had her facts maybe out of line and out of place. So the people that love Sarah Palin are on Wikipedia, you know, making history look exactly like she said. And then there's the people that hate Sarah Palin on the other side. And they'll go up and they'll tear down what what that person wrote. And then they'll write their own stuff. And so Wikipedia, uh, stuff like that, you know, there's just not the most reliable source for information. But where can we go to get some good information from the internet? And more importantly, what is truth to get down to the root of like the ninth commandment, right? The truth of the matter. Um, Science is going to go and rely a lot on research and studies and showing trends and showing um, results in certain areas. And some of the places where they do that the most is colleges and universities. Tell you a little bit about my story. I drive all day. I'm a, I'm a sales rep. I sell pizza for a large uh, franchise company. I go to big companies and I uh, I sell large amounts of pizza to like employees of large companies. So I move around a lot. I'm driving a lot, and I used to listen to a lot of talk radio, um, which I found is kind of like candy or sugar for your mind it's just not the the best thing to be uh, digesting and listening to all day long and I learned that you know online iTunes I got into 
podcasts, I got into iTunes U. Um, you can go to iTunes U and you can listen to lectures from colleges all over the world. I've listened to lectures at Berkeley. I've listened to lectures at Oxford. I've listened to lectures at Yale. And the information I'm going to share with you today is from a woman called, uh, her name is Susan Nolan Huxima. This is Lecture 18 from Yale University on the class um, Introduction to Psychology taught by Professor Paul Bloom. I also I read uh, a book called The Purpose Driven Life, which is part of why I do this show. It's just some really great truth in that book about using your talents and abilities to reach people um, where they're at. Uh, for the message of the gospel, I'm a Christian. I don't have a book to sell, right? I don't have seminars that I teach. I'm not trying to sell you some kind of a program or something. You know, I do plan on writing a book just because I have a lot of stuff in my heart that I believe that God wants me to put into a book and, and show people and teach people just from my life story. But, you know, I don't do this for, for the reason of I'm not selling anything, all right? So part of this is, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I remember Pastor Rick at AC3 would say, you know, the conversion experience, like you have this collision in your heart with Jesus Christ, and then, you know, you start to come alive. Like the, uh, I don't know if you saw that movie, Short Circuit, right? Number five, alive, right? Need input. That's kind of where my heart is at, right? And listen... I do this because I was stuck and wounded, and in that prison, it hurt, it sucks, and I know how you feel, all right? That's why I do this. Um, I had a heart change, and part of that heart change was learning um, and wanting to know and really uh, desiring to, to understand deeper some of these issues of the heart and the mind that bring us to lock ourselves away in this, this horrible prison of sexual addiction. Want to run away, right? Want to get away. Um, I used that song by the Ramones, you know, a couple of songs here in the, the show, uh, Psychotherapy by the Ramones, and uh, I Want to Be Sedated. Um, I've been on um, medications. I've been on SSRIs, right? Uh, selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors is the... Uh, this is an acronym for that. Um, there's new drugs on the market now. These are the major, these are your Zoloft, your Paxil, your um, Prozac, uh, SSRIs. There's newer ones coming out called selective serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, um, which are new to the market, and it's another, it's another medication. These medications, and what I believe listeners are asking is, you know, can I treat this thing, right, with these drugs? I've Again, I've been on them in the past. I, I was on them when I was in recovery and after recovery, right? Uh, the truth is, the truth be told about it is, is <laughs> my, for me, medication, you know, they said, well, you just didn't have enough. I, I took a lot of different medications. They say, well, you know, the reason you feel the way you do is you just didn't find your pill, okay? They like to cycle you through a lot of different medications to try and find your pill, right? I mean, this could take weeks, months, whatever. Um, I felt, for me, this is my story, all right? I just felt high, all right? I'm a former drug addict. I'm a former drug dealer. I know what it means to be high. I know what it means to be more focused. Yes, I was more focused, um, 
as far as treating my ADHD is concerned, but there was a numbness about me. Um, this may not be your story. Again, you need to consult with a doctor. There's a lot of different people with a lot of different things going on. Some people, a percentage of people, really do need these medications. I'm not anti-medication guy, all right? I'm going to put that out here right now, right up front. There's some people that believe that medications of, you know, psychotropic drugs are of the devil or whatever. And, you know, you go into what the writings of Paul on... Uh, uh, pharmacia or pharmaceutia or whatever, you know. I believe that a lot of these medications or the drugs that Paul's talking about in the Bible were medications used to, you know, reach different levels of consciousness, okay? This is more like the stuff that the guy would sell you on the street, not medications to help treat real mental disorders. The book of Luke in the Bible, Luke is a physician all right he's a medical doctor okay that's the truth so what's the difference between mental disorders and spiritual realities disorders of the heart if you will of desire of reaching for something out there in order to heal an inner wound or an inner emptiness these are spiritual issues and it's always been a passion of mine to if I could show you things from my perspective if I could show you from the jacked up state I was in and the place where I see the perspective where I see truth from at this point in my life um, the difference psychology and theology like how what how we view our worldview based on who the creator of the universe is even if you believe he doesn't exist has everything to do with how you live out your everyday life right has everything to do with what you seek out in a savior and when it comes to medication there's just a weird thing that goes on in my country really honestly and this is something that happens in the United States and a lot of you guys in the rest of the world don't hear this and I've heard that this is a United States thing that the a lot of most countries do not advertise psychotropic drugs on national television okay it's kind of weird that we do that but we do here check this out you know when you feel the weight of sadness you may feel exhausted hopeless and anxious whatever you do you feel lonely and don't enjoy the things you once loved things just don't feel like they used to these are some symptoms of depression a serious medical condition affecting over 20 million Americans. While the cause is unknown, depression may be related to an imbalance of natural chemicals between nerve cells in the brain. Prescription Zoloft works to correct this imbalance. When you're depressed, where do you want to go? Nowhere. Who do you feel like seeing? No one. Depression hurts in so many ways. Sadness, loss of interest, anxiety. Cymbalta can help. Cymbalta. Keep yourself in control every week with Prozac Weekly. I'm taking an antidepressant, but it feels like I need some more help. Approximately two out of three people being treated for depression still have unresolved symptoms. If your antidepressant alone isn't enough, talk to your doctor. One option he may consider is adding Abilify. Abilify is approved to treat depression in adults when added to an antidepressant. Learn more about Abilify. Call your doctor if your depression worsens or you have unusual changes in mood, behavior, or thoughts of suicide. 
Antidepressants can increase these in children, teens, and young adults. Elderly dementia patients taking Abilify have an increased risk of death or stroke. Call your doctor if you have high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion on Abilify, as these may be signs of a life-threatening reaction. Or uncontrollable muscle movements, as these could become permanent. High blood sugar has been reported with Abilify and medicines like it. In some cases, extreme high blood sugar can lead to coma or death. Other risks include dizziness upon standing, decreases in white blood cells, which can be serious, seizures, impaired judgment or motor skills, or trouble swallowing. Adding Abilify has made a difference for me. Talk to your doctor about the risks and benefits of adding Abilify. Visit AbilifyTreatment.com. So, yes, those are some of the ads that you will hear if you watch television here in the United States. Um, you're watching primetime television, you're watching sports, whatever it is, these ads come up. And it's not just for um, psychotropic drugs, you know, this heart medication, all sorts of stuff out there. But there's a lot of these ads on depression. For those of you outside the United States who maybe never heard these ads, that list of side effects at the end of that um, Abilify commercial, that is not a joke. Okay, I didn't add that for dramatic effect. I'm not trying to spin this a certain way. Um, that is really, a that is the list that they put on a lot of these medications. And depression medications have <laughs> these side effects. It's a big deal. Some people, you know, other countries hear that and go, sounds like a Monty Python or a Second City, you know, comedy skit. It's not. This is for real. And that's part of the big thing that I want to talk about. Because of these ads in the United States, it's kind of created this psychological kind of hypochondria, right? Um, where we slap a label on every kind of behavior we don't like. We place it on that. Maybe I need a pill. Um, I want to be sedated, right? So, I'm going to use some information, a good source that I've gleaned um, from the internet, that some truth that I've harvested from the psychological community. Um, again, Dr. Sula, Susan Nolan Huxma, all right, she writes textbooks for teaching clinical psychology, okay? She's a sought-after author and speaker on the subject. Again, not me. This is not my, right, I'm not Mr. Expert here. This is um, from someone who has credentials, who knows what they're talking about when it comes to, she's an expert, world-renowned expert in depression, mania, bipolar disorder, all right? Especially um, with a special focus on the differences between men and women, gender roles in these issues, because there is a difference. So, some facts, 13% um, of men and 22% of women sometime in their lifetime will be treated for a debilitating kind of depression. I know that, you know, you see TV ads, you're going to think it's worse, but it's not. That is some real numbers. Now, this is from a major national kind of survey. It's a collaboration of a different research from different areas. So those numbers could be skewed as well. Um, manic depression, which is when someone has sexual compulsive behaviors, a lot of doctors, psychologists, medical um, psychotherapists, 
psychiatrists will point to um, manic depression as a, a great scapegoat or a great place to put you and to prescribe medication to you. Again, get a good doctor, right? Do some research. Find out some information. Um, if you're a Christian, find a doctor or psychiatrist who's a Christian, all right? I mean, that's helpful. It's not always perfect, but it is helpful. You know the heart of someone, right? Uh, not just that, but <sighs> these companies give perks and benefits to doctors who prescribe a lot of their medication. They just do, all right? Sales reps for pharmaceutical companies, um, they do that, all right? So find someone who has your best interest at heart, not necessarily their own. Do some, do some work, do some research. If you may think that you have some of these disorders. I'm not, you know, most of you don't, all right? The truth about bipolar disorder or manic depressive uh, mood disorders, it's 1% of the population, all right? Diagno diagnosis, diagnostic, done by real researchers. When you're diagnosed using what <laughs> the major doctors with, you know, integrity, it's 1% of the population, all right? I'll tell you, one of the big myths about sexual addiction is that, you know, you'll grow out of it. That's not true, all right? You get older, this thing just keeps along with you. It doesn't go away because of age. Time doesn't heal all wounds, all right? Um, some more research that she was talking about was that... Um, the sweet spot for depression, people who have debilitating depression, is between the ages of 15 and 24. All right, Most people who are treated for clinical depression are between the ages of 15 and 24. Um, it starts to scale down after 24. Um, the numbers start to scale off. And when you get past 55, it is very, very rare for someone beyond the age of 55 to have clinical depression. Sexual addiction, yes, there's a lot of sexual addicts over the age of 55. Um, I want to kind of remove some of these myths that are out there when it comes to sexual addiction and age. You know, that's a big thing. Um, but I'll do that. I'll save that for a later show. But also, a lot of this has to do with psychopathology and what doctors think about it, all right? The biggest thing I want you to understand is that not everyone who is a sexual addict is, is suffering from manic depression. It's just not true. But some may be, all right? I mean, 1% of you out there may be, maybe more than that. Um, another myth that's out there is, you know, people look at the psychological community and go, all right, well, I guess you can do a brain scan, right? Or there's a blood test for figuring out whether I have you know, bipolar disorder, manic depression, um, schizophrenia, right? Isn't there some, you put me in a thing and you scan my brain or you give me a blood test. Uh, again, Dr. Susan is going to say, no, no, there isn't. It's all based on a behavioral criteria and subject it's a subjective judgment call based on the person that you trust to diagnose these issues dr susan says that the three d's of diagnosing mental disorders are distress dysfunction or deviance 
it's evaluating the characteristics of a person and what right I mean, deviant behavior has is a lot to do with sexual addiction i remember being sexually addicted thinking i am deviant there's something profoundly wrong with me right and when it comes to going to a doctor there's going to be just a little deeper than just a behavior thing depression um manic depression uh, depression, on the one hand, is just kind of a miserable state of being, right? Melancholy, you got the blues. Um, manic depression is certain, there's a certain pleasure to it, right? A lot of people that suffer from manic depression don't get treated for it because they like it, all right? It's until they hurt someone in their family or something like that that they get treated. And usually this is more than just um, sexual acting out. There's... Uh, sometimes violent behavior that can go with this. Um, it's not just sexual addiction, um, very risky behavior whether it comes to drugs, um, adrenaline junkies, stuff like this. It's very much like someone who is, has a sexual compulsive issue. You know, a lot of times, I just why I talk about the bomb going off. You know if you're suffering from this, right? You know if you're causing harm. Uh, you know, it's why I talked about, you know, in the Ninth Commandment, confessing your sins, okay? Because you're hurting someone you love. If you're married, you could, you're engaging in very risky behavior. You could bring your spouse home a life-threatening um, venereal disease. I mean, these are true things. Uh, Dr. Susan talks about this kind of stuff in this lecture, all right? This is not just church talk, all right? People who are engaged in risky sexual behavior are a danger to themselves and to those they love. If they're having sex with people, right, like their spouse, all right? Again, sexual ethics in our culture is an issue. Alright? But again, because you have a sexual addiction does not necessarily mean you have uh, manic, depressive, right? Um, here's the deal. The Diagnostic Statistic um, Manual. This is how psychotherapists, psychiatrists diagnose um, mental disorders. It's called the DSM. It's been around since the 50s. Um, in the 80s, they added a lot of subjective diagnosis, um, different technical degrees of it, different variations. It's been, it's only had three variations since the 50s, um, from what Dr. Susan said. And this is the manual that they use to diagnose mental disorders. Um, and basically, to treat these. Uh, to diagnose these and to treat them, you have to have observed symptoms and at least four of the symptoms that are on this list. Um, the three criteria for like depression, bipolar disorder, um, weight, appetite uh, are two of them. You can, you're either not eating or you eat too much. You go crazy and you binge eat. Um, sleeping or oversleeping. Insomnia, you can't sleep, you lay awake at night, you just can't sleep. Or um, oversleeping, you know. There's one woman she talked about who would sleep like 20 hours, you know, in clinical depression. She would get up, have a snack, go back to sleep. She was exhausted. 
that is clinical depression, right? Psychomotor retardation is another one. Someone who's moving all the time and is very, very klutzy or someone who uh, is very slow moving, kind of a slug, kind of an Eeyore, right? As part of their, their motor capabilities is just not functioning properly. Whereas, again, the over-agitated person may be reckless, um, car accidents, whatever, right? Very klutzy. Loss of interest in things that the person used to enjoy. Um, it's another one. Massive amount of guilt or weight. Um, feeling that the whole world's against them or that they're Satan or something like that. Um, psychotic things that are out, you know, having losing touch with reality. Um, thinking you're seeing things. Uh, stuff like that. Delusions of grandeur, um, just thinking you're Jesus, things like that. These are uh, psychological, psychotic behavior is going to be you're a threat to yourself or others. Um, the person who is suffering from manic depressive disorder has very high highs for a week or two and then has very low lows, right? The depression comes after the manic um episodes right but it's not like Tuesday I was up and Wednesday I was down this is normal life all right manic depressive people have very low lows to the point of almost suicide right when they're in their low states and in their high states they're on top of the world they know everything they they work very hard some at some cases um, they sleep little and are raring to go uh, th this is real um, manic depression, right? ADHD could be called a mild symptom of that, but then again, you know, who is diagnosing that? So, yes, for 1% of the population who suffers like that, man, maybe you need to see a doctor, all right? Um get some help with that. There is medication that you can take. I want to talk about and touch on medication here because she did have a lot to say about medication and uptake inhibitors. So here's some truth and research when it comes to medication from Dr. Susan in this talk. Um, this is a great study. They took 240 patients that were suffering from major depression and this was a four month long study. They gave a third of the people in this study uh, SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They gave another third of the people cognitive therapy, a way to learn new coping skills, a way to challenge the way they've been feeling, work that out in their mind. This is uh, called cognitive behavioral therapy. And another third they gave placebo. Placebo meeting, they gave them a sugar pill, right? Something that does absolutely nothing. Which is interesting in psychological research because just giving you something can make you feel better, even if it doesn't have any medical, you know, thing to it at all. Just the fact that you believe or have faith that this placebo thing may make you feel better actually has subjective impact on research data in psychological issues. Very interesting to me. Faith, right, in a pill. 
and for whatever reason, Dr. Susan did not tell us in the lecture, right, the people listening, what the effect on the placebo was in the research. And to be fair, it was probably on the PowerPoint that I couldn't see because I'm listening to the audio. But what she did say about the people that got the medication was very interesting. After four weeks, the people who um, were on drugs had a very positive response. All right, after four weeks, the people getting the therapy, um, some of them were having better results, but the major good result that they were having in, was uh, with the medication in four weeks. Now, even more interesting, by eight weeks, it was about 60% the same result. We're not depressed anymore. The same result of the people who are getting the cognitive behavioral therapy and the people who were on the SSRIs were having about the same result. Very interesting. And the people with a placebo? Well, we don't know because she didn't say anything about that. Um, so, do drugs work with things like mania, bipolar disorder? Yes. Um, here's some of the bad news that she talked about. Out of the people who got cognitive behavioral therapy and the people who got SSRIs, 80% um, of the people on the medication when they were pulled off the medication relapsed and went back to their depression. The people who got the cognitive behavioral therapy about 35%. All right, that's a big difference. The best result with this antidepressants was Paxil where only about 50% of the people who were on Paxil relapsed. But still, right, that's 50% relapse back to major clinical depression. Medication is a great way to get you through a season, I think. Um, I know a friend who's a pastor who went through some major stuff in his life, all right? Um, he still had to do his life, and he was on an antidepressant for a little while, right? These things can help, but to be on them long term, to rely on them, to put your faith and trust in them, to look at medication as a functional savior for the long term. Statistical research from Yale University, 80% relapse is going to say, no, it's not a good idea, right? It's better to, and here's what she said, and you, this is totally goes to what the Ninth Commandment says as well in the Bible, talking about truth claims. These are her exact words when it came to cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a couple of different therapies. There's cognitive behavioral therapy, and there's interpersonal cognitive behavioral therapy. There's IBT and CBT. Um, but what cognitive therapies do, and again, this is Dr. Susan's exact words, helps the person find negative themes and helps them challenge the thoughts. It helps them develop new coping skills. And here's what she said. I wrote this down and circled it. Um, it helps them challenge the truth claims and validity of how they're feeling and how that is driving their life. Truth Values is what she said. Her exact words were the truth value of how she's how how a person's feeling, and how they are able to cope in their life based on right how they feel, how they do life, um, truth values of where they're at, right? And for me, man, the big screaming elephant in the room is truth 
based on what? What? You know? Um, anyway, so because this starts to go to theology, right? And I talk about that a lot in the show, the theology under the psychology, the truth claims that do drive our life. It's not that you don't have faith. It's what do you put your faith in? These are questions I've continued to ask myself in overcoming this, this horrible addiction going on six years clean from sexual addiction and people ask me a lot of these questions did medication help with you know the temptations and stuff like that um yeah i i guess but again what are the truth claims when the medication's gone you're not supposed to live on that stuff unless you have a really some, you're one of that small percentage of the population who needs to be on it all the time. Um, that's very rare, but it does exist, all right? Um, a lot of us don't have insurance for these kind of things. We're in a tough economic state here in the United States, the whole world, really. Um, for me, you know, I was in the pastor's office because I couldn't afford a real counselor, I, I told myself, right? I mean, thank God for that. Thank God I met Pastor Dan and Pastor Rick, guys who help, right, challenge the truth value of what I was placing my faith and hope in at a root level. Because, listen, whether it's medication, whether it's, you know, I need a doctor, right? Whether it's I want to be sedated. Everyone is placing their hope in some kind of root-level good news, all right? The truth that I found, and this is something I resisted because I didn't believe it for a big chunk of my life. I didn't believe it in my heart. I had some kind of religious knowledge of it in my brain, but I didn't believe in my heart that I was loved by the creator of the universe, that God demonstrated his love in this, that while I was a sinner, Jesus died for me, right? God loves me that much that he sent his son, right? God enters time and space as the son on a rescue mission for jacked up sinful human beings like you and me. Alright? The biggest thing about this root level of this is that we believe lies. Even from the psychological community. Dr. Susan's going to say it's challenging the truth value of what you believe, right? A lie doesn't have to be true to have an impact. It simply has to be believed by the mind. And then it's set in emotion as a your whole life is this pouring out sacrifice. And you place your faith and your hope in something every day. Don't place it in a lie. So to answer the question of those who've emailed... Does medication work? Yeah, for four to six weeks, or as long as you're on it. Again, do some people need that? Yes. See a doctor, get diagnosed. If any of this stuff is sounds like it may be you, I, I challenge you, I, I implore you to, to seek psychiatric help. If you're part of that 1% that suffers from bipolar disorder, man, get some help with that. Um... But again, even if you are in that range, right, 
what does Dr. Susan say? You're going to see someone. You're going to have to talk to someone. You're going to have to challenge the truth claims of how you cope with life, right? Um, so to answer the question, yeah, medication works, but do you want to live on medication? And the reason Dr. Susan is adamant about, you know, cognitive therapy is because of the massive amount of side effects that you're going to have on these medications. There's a huge amount of debilitating side effects that can, in many times, be worse than what you're being treated for. All right? I don't believe you need to come in and chemically kill your sexual drive. That's not healthy. All right? Yeah, that's one of the side effects for some people of these medications. It's not good for you. All right? Sex is good. God made it. God loves us. He gave us this gift of sexuality. And he says in the book of the Songs of Solomon, enjoy and drink your fill, you lovers. All right? It's not just for making babies, all right? There's nothing in the Songs of Solomon about making babies. There is on sexual pleasure. The whole book talks about sexual pleasure. God is not a prude. God loves us, all right? It can be another form of prison, these medications, if your goal in mind is not to challenge, again, the value of the truth claims of how you cope and to get out of that prison, and listen, I'm not just a blind faith guy. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God. I believe in theology and doctrine because I've scrutinized it. All right? I'm not just a blind faith guy. Yes, there is some blind faith involved. There is some just trusting faith involved. But man, I have scrutinized this thing because of sexuality. What the heart wants and the root level, the mind puts into action and the will carries it out. There is a God, there is meaning and purpose for your life, for your time on this earth. That precious allowed amount of time. You are a precious child of God. God loves you and he created you for a specific reason. And he loves you more than you can fathom. And that's just the truth, all right? This show was based on email. Um, if you want have any questions about this, um, again, russ at asi247.org. Um, you go to the website, asi247.org. All my contact information is on there, Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff. Um, if you friend me on Facebook, let me know that you're a listener to the show. Um, I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know. So there's that, right? I get friend requests. If I don't know you, you don't respond. I don't accept you as a friend. Cause I, if you listen to the show, I consider you a friend. All right. So just let me know that. Um, again, I love you guys. I care about you, man. I was there. I'm not trying to sell you anything. All right. I'm not trying to sell you Jesus. I'm not trying to give you the Jesus pill, like some kind of you know, Paxil ad. Look at the truth. What is true? What is real? What is honest? What syncs up with your heart? If it's all a mistake, if love is just a bunch of synapses firing in your mind, is there reason and purpose? Is there something going on that's deeper than just the natural, you know, 
what you or your atheist college professor think. All right. Is there spiritual realities? God is real. Jesus is real. It is true. I am living proof. If I was to carry out my system that I was on before, I would not I would not be here. Suicidal thoughts and feelings of hopelessness are something I'm very familiar with. I care about you guys. I want to leave you with a little Johnny Cash here. Um, like Dr. Susan said, looking at the truth values, understanding the truth claims, uh, my analogies to the red lizard, this addiction being a prison that we create with our own hands. Let's really be honest with ourselves about the prison, about why you're listening to the show right now, about why you're seeking getting help. The fact that it is prison. Scrutinize your own systems of belief as much as you scrutinize others. That's what I mean by submission, all right? Realize that it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take submitting to a loving God, right? I'm not talking about religion here, all right? You know, don't look at me and say, oh, I've tried that Jesus religion thing before. All right, most of what is taught in church today is just religion. A big chunk of it is just religion. And religion, that kind of self-righteous, just surfacey, superficial religion is called sin in the Bible. Most churches are biblically illiterate. They don't read the Bible. The Bible was put together by people who were um, in protest of the religious elites, all right? That's the history of it. That's where we get the word Protestant. Even Catholics, man. I used to have an issue with Catholics. A lot of it had to do with the sexual abuse scandals, but man, there really are Catholics that got that Protestant heart against that horrible, cold, taking things for my gratification kind of self-righteous religion. You know, again, so listen, really, Jesus is real, and he's here to save us from our own San Quintins. Love you guys. Russ Shaw, out. And San Quentin, just for you. San Quentin. You've been living hell to me You blistered me since 1963 I've seen them come and go and I've seen them die And long ago I stopped asking why San Quentin, I hate every inch of you You cut me and you scarred me through and through And I'll walk out a wiser, weaker man Mr. Congressman, you can't understand 